This podcast is brought to you by Comedy Central's Roast Battle. What's a roast battle? Imagine the perfect combination of stand-up comedy, rap battles, and professional wrestling all in one place. So join Brian Moses and DJ Coach T for Roast Battle, the podcast, as they bring you weekly live battles from the world-famous comedy store in Hollywood, as well as behind-the-scenes interviews with the industry's best comedians. You'll hear some insensitive jokes, some politically incorrect jokes, but every joke you hear comes from a place of love. So subscribe right now to Roast Battle for new episodes every Thursday in your podcast feed. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The silver lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host. David Shoemaker, and joining me on the mask line is none other than my dear friend, friend of the podcast, wrestling fan, and um, hockey writer extraordinaire and podcaster, Greg Wyshynski, senior writer for ESPN, co-host of Puck Soup. What am I leaving out? Well, I have an ESPN podcast called ESPN on Ice with Emily Kaplan, and that's the podcast where people can hear me talk about hockey without... Uh, huge uh, sidebars into comic book films and also saying uh, curse words a lot. So there's like a, it's a more sanitized hockey centric version of me on that podcast. And we'll never find out what you thought of Captain Marvel uh, if we listen to that. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged uh, because it, it, <laughs> you know, a lot of people that I know and trust liked it, but I have a feeling that it's going to be, Device. Here's here's my prediction on on Captain Marvel, based on what I've seen so far. A not as good movie in the MCU pantheon, but a triumphant character that we want to see again. Is my prediction on Captain Marvel. I, watch out! That's going to be on a movie poster. Um, <laughs> speaking of divisive characters, we will talk at length about Ronda Rousey and Roman Reigns today. But before we get to the goings-on in WWE, uh, before we break down the fast lane card, there's a bunch of news to get to, but the, the top thing has got to be the passing of uh, an absolute legend and an absolute horrific terror in my childhood, King Kong Bundy. Um, he was one of the... I mean... Uh, I know that I'm biased by my my specific age and that my friends are all around my age, but it's it was shocking to me how many people um, I talked to this week that said King Kong Bundy at, at WrestleMania 2 or, or thereabouts was like their first experience with unbridled terror. Um, Greg, what was your <laughs> Greg? What is your what is your what are your fondest memories of uh, of King Kong Bundy? Well, it's inside the ring and outside the ring, so. You have inside the ring WrestleMania two Hogan with the ribs taped up 
inside the big blue steel cage. And, um, you know, I, I, I came to eventually realize that Bundy was another in a series of sort of mid card talents that they built up because Ho- Hogan needed to fight giant monster men. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, what a what an what a uh, imposing uh, figure he cut! Just this giant weeble wobble of a man in those uh, black trunks and and the the shoulder strap, and yeah. uh, looking like he could he, he probably eats human flesh. Um, the idea of a finishing move like the avalanche existing where this 450 pound behemoth just runs into you on the turnbuckle. And that's the finishing move is amazing. I also loved back in the day, uh, two things from um, the old school announcer days. I loved the way that Lord Alfred Hayes said avalanche when he would uh, do the avalanche. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, uh, and I, I also remember very vividly, uh, of course, Bundy was, was a member of the Heenan family. and, And that was sort of my first, um, exposure to factions even before I got into the Four Horsemen was, oh, was yeah. Heenan constantly sending out monster. It was like, you know, monster after monster after monster to try to take down Hogan. And I remember like Heenan putting over Bundy and, and saying Bundy in that Heenan kind of way, uh, as far as, as being his manager. So uh, all these things, and then, and then sort of outside the ring, I remember him on Married with Children. And then came to realize later that the Bundys were named after King Kong Bundy, much like the Rhodeses next door were named after Dusty Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I remember him. In, I remember him in the uh, all-time flop moving the Richard Pryor movie, where he made sort of a gambit to become like a uh, like a Bill Cosby esque, not a reference that ages well, uh, a fam- family actor. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bundy Bundy was one of the movers in in moving. And then most of all. I remember Bundy's LJN res- WWF wrestling figure. Yes. Um, which, for those who don't know, were all solid rubber. And so you had some of them that were sort of wiry. Like the original Hogan figure was actually not very like heavy. And like you could move the legs and stuff. You could actually kind of fashion the legs together to put Hogan in the figure four. But the Bundy figure, I'm pretty sure could break a truck's windshield if you threw it hard <laughs> enough. Like it's, it was so thick and well, so solid that I'm pretty sure that it could be weaponized if, if someone chose to, you know, it's, it's often said and written, uh, and I'm, and I'm guilty of this, of course, of, uh, professional wrestlers that they, they, they look like action figures come to life. King Kong Bundy was like, actually, actually fits that description more than most. And you got to hear me out. It's not because he had this body of an Adonis, but it's because like every action figure of a fat person over the years, they couldn't, they never could really capture the real girth. They could just kind of capture like the width and a sort of like, like slightly wider chest cavity. Right. And that's actually what King Kong Bundy looked like in real life. Like he wasn't, he wasn't one of these just like fatsos, you know, he wasn't like, it wasn't just, he wasn't like blubbery. He was just... Uh, we had a piece on the ringer today by Oliver Lee Bateman about him, and he looked like an Easter Island statue. I mean, that was what that was <laughs> that was King Kong Bundy's look, and it was uh, compared to a lot of the other kind of crazy monsters that Hogan wrestled in his early days. Bundy Bundy had a real air of legitimacy because he looked like 
he looked like a guy that would just beat the crap out of you at a bar and you couldn't necessarily outrun him or outquick him or whatever. You know, he looked right. like a, he looked like a capable big man. Um and he and he worked like one too, you know. I mean, he he was especially in his um sort of the second the second half of the first half of his career if that makes any sense before he before his first pseudo retirement. Um he was a really he was a good worker, you know? I mean, it was it was fun to watch him and and uh you know, we most of what I was exposed to as a kid, and I'm sure most people listening to this, if they if they were if they're my age, uh, you know, feel the, or had the same experience, it was mostly squash matches. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was mostly him uh, destroying jobbers. But there's a real joy to that. I mean, especially going back and watching when I was when I was looking at stuff yesterday and today. I mean, these old the the old Bundy old Bundy tapes are just you know it, it, it's just a whole lot of fun. I mean, I, yeah. I he wrestled he worked in he worked in Texas. I don't know if that was the first place I saw him, you know, because some of that world class stuff aired, you know, not not live on ESPN or whenever whenever I was watching it as a kid. But man, he was just he was scary from start to finish, and uh, and watching him in that cage with Hogan, I mean, that was like like I said to start it off, that was an experience of real terror for me. Now, <laughs> you know, for for. Uh, he he also kind of epitomizes the pro wrestling the pro wrestling career arc in a way that that you know a lot of people do, but he does it kind of so neatly because at WrestleMania two he was going head to head with Hogan inside that big blue steel cage in in one of you know at that point which seemed like the most important match in the history of mankind. Yeah, ma- ma- main eventing the 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 most anticipated sequel to a wrestling pay per view in in the history of the business at that point. And then one year later, he was tagging with. Um, <laughs> I want to make sure I get all these names L- correctly. Lord Littlebrook was definitely one yeah, of them, w- right? <laughs> he was tagging with Lord Littlebrook. Hold on, let me get. Let me pull this up real quick. King Kong Bundy, Lord Littlebrook, and Little Tokyo, both of whom right. are midget wrestlers, and that I'm I'm compelled to tell you is a term of art. I, I, they were little people. Yeah. King Kong Bundy, and, Little Tokyo, and Lord Little Brick took on Hillbilly Jim and his diminutive partners, the Haiti Kid and Little Beaver. Mm-hmm. Um, Bundy and his crew lost by disqualification um, uh, when Bundy um, defied the the rules of the mixed tag and went after um, one of Little his uh, smaller opponents. Yeah, Little Beaver, and and really looked like if you go back and watch the tape, looks. I'm pretty sure he murdered Little Beaver in the middle yeah, of the he ring. Did. He did. Um, was, uh, the two things was, on that one, by the way, little little Tokyo looks like a shrunken version of Hideki Matsui. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> and then also, uh, I, I remember even even you know as a young lad, little little Beaver had to be a, a Vince McMahon invention, right? <laughs> like, come on, yeah. One would one would think so. One would think so. Um, <laughs> but he crush he crushes little Beaver. He just splashes him in the middle of the ring. And I remember like it was like. Uh, I think I think if you remember the end of the Matrix Revolutions when Neo is carried out into the ether by the robot arms after his body has been <laughs> drained of life. I think that's what happened to Little Beaver. Like all of the other little wrestlers carried him out of the ring in, in much the same manner. He went from basically just like the highest of the highs to just a comedy act in, mm-hmm. in neatly in the span of one year. It's almost like, you know, being a relevant monster wrestler who, with designs on winning the title and then potentially at the next WrestleMania wrestling Colin Jost and or Michael Shea. It's almost like <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
I'm I'm pulling this up now just because I'm so I I'm, this this is basically a snuff film. Watching Little Beaver just get like demolished. <laughs> uh, it's and then it happened in an open air stadium is just like you know it, it makes it even crazier that nobody jumped in to stop this madness. Um, you know he disappeared from WWF for a while, then he popped back up as part of the Million Dollar Corporation. Uh, mm-hmm. He looked uh, slightly older, but not really. He looked basically the same. I mean, I think that the big takeaway when you, when when from for a lot of people when they saw that he died yesterday was that he was so so relatively young when he passed away. Um, and he was, I mean, he was like in the in his twenties when he was wrestling. You know, in, in these WrestleManias, he, he was he was much younger than anybody looked. But I guess that's the you know the mark of a true monster is that you're some sort of like time or ageless force of nature. Right. Uh, he he really did just look like an angry eternal ogre, you know, that like like the, the like a bastard love child of a Greek god who was just condemned to a life of of anger. Um mm. but anyway, he was he was he was just he was fantastic, man. And there's like it, it's funny, a lot of times when when these legendary pro wrestlers pass away, I'm sitting here saying, just go back and watch 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 videos, pull up the WWE network, pull up YouTube, like watch stuff and you know, for the ones that we talk about a lot, they're these great wrestlers, and you kind of have to dedicate yourself to a 20-minute match, a number of 20, 25-minute matches to really understand their greatness. I mean, with Bundy, you can just you can you can you can get it all in a squash match. You know, I mean, his match mm-hmm. against Hogan was really imp- was really cool, and and I encourage everybody to watch that. But Bundy was Bundy, man. All his that snarl, that mm-hmm. that I mean, just his face. It was it was cartoonish, but it was terrifying as a kid. Yeah, he was really important. Um, and it's, and it's he, funny you should mention WrestleMania two and three because in both those cases, the Steamboat match in three and the Hogan match in two, like the simplicity of booking comes to mind. Hogan's ribs are hurt because of Bundy. Can he now defeat Bundy? Uh, Steamboat's mm-hmm. larynx was crushed by uh, Savage. Can he come back to get his measure of revenge? And uh oh, Savage is going to try to crush his larynx again during the match. Like it's yeah. it's it was such a simple streamlined booking back then that you almost kind of make get nostalgic for that too. That's totally true. I mean, just I, I vividly remember the blue cage. The white tape wrapped around Hogan's ribs, the bright colored tights, as opposed standing in contrast to to Bundy's black little singlet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's man, those were the days. Do you, do, you, do you think that they adopted that that they they put that uh, singlet on Andre as a sort of a homage to the way that Bundy looked? You know, uh, I'm not sure about that, but it's it's entirely it's entirely possible. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it would it would look silly on most other people, and those are two of the few guys that could pull it off. You had to be a certain size to get away with like the the brief bottom singlet. It was it was just um, <laughs> and, and on and on Bundy, it just it just enhanced the character. It was it mm-hmm. was really great. I'm it watching WrestleMania three where the his one yeah, of his well, straps keeps falling off, which is like now if that yeah. happened, that would seem like a real like just a huge a botch. huge botch. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's a it it's uh, he's just freaking terrifying, man. I dig him. Anyway, King Kong Bundy, rest in peace. He's one of the greats. Scared out of my mind just thinking about him. And let's move on to Monday Night Raw. We're back in the real, we're back in in the present tense. And we're gearing up not just towards Fastlane, which is this Sunday. We'll run through the card at the end, but also towards WrestleMania. It's a little bit of a weird situation that we're in because uh, there's a lot of WrestleMania, the WrestleMania card that is still uh, waiting to be formalized because of Fastlane being <laughs> being there, frankly. The big news of the week, though, before Raw started, was mm-hmm. 
Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch going at it on Twitter with the side <laughs> helping of Charlotte Flair just like living the life in Mexico City, apparently. Um, that's And she was just tweeting pictures or Instagramming photos from there. Uh, meanwhile, Ronda and Becky are going back and forth on Twitter in a in such an uncomfortable sort of work shooty way that it made everybody think that something was wrong. Um I don't know I don't know where you were when this was happening if you were following any of it, any of it in real time, but all the message boards were lighting up, Reddit like couldn't get enough of this stuff. Everybody thought it was real. My take uh, and the take of people who seem to know is that it was all a work, it was all supposed to go this way and they were just really just kind of going hard on Twitter, but for the people gathered listening to this podcast, if you haven't, if you weren't paying attention, if you didn't know what was going on, if you weren't following these tweets, if you if you prefer to consume your wrestling just in giant three-hour blocks on Monday nights, I've asked Greg if he would join me in an interpretive reading of this Twitter back and forth. Greg, are you game for this? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. Do you want to be Rhonda or do you want to be Becky? Why don't you? Be, are you going to affect an, Ir, an Irish accent? I cannot Becky? do. I can't do an yeah, Irish I, accent. I can't either. Really, I'm Irish and I can't even do it. It'll just sound like Groundskeeper Willie at the end of the day. Can you do Groundskeeper Willie? <laughs> I don't think I could do that either because I have the same problem as Paul Rudd in uh, "I Love You, Man," which is when I try to do like uh, Scottish, it comes off as Jamaican. Uh, yeah, so, same, uh, same here. Yeah, I can't All do right. it. I'll 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 take uh I'll take uh the, the we last Becky. All right, you do Becky. I'll do Ronda Rousey. You you have to start this thing off. So mm-hmm. whenever you're ready, just jump right in. Ronda, you go back and get that belt. Because I didn't come this far to collect it from Stephanie. I came all this way to take it from you. That's what I'm trying to do, dumbass. You hobbling around trying to be a ginger crutch ninja and taking fake prison photos in the hallway isn't helping. Keep that F word out of your mouth and concentrate on getting better at this business instead of trying to remain above it. Looking forward to seeing you real soon. F word? You mean fake? Fake like your nonsensical BS arm bar that doesn't even work and just looks like you're holding the dick you wish you had? Huh, it does look exactly like one now that you mention it. Rebecca Quinn, I don't care what the script says. I'm beating the living shit out of you the next time I see you. And, and scene. scene. This is my favorite thing about Rousey, is is the, the notion that she, you know, in real life, IRL can beat the living shit out of anybody on the roster. And yes. the fact that this comes up frequently in her trash talk, it's really the only thing she has going in this war with Becky. Like the, the fact that like, you know, let's drop the pretense and I'll just beat the shit out of you is, uh, is the one thing that she's got going. And I find it to be pretty effective. It's like the Ramones. If you could do only do one thing uh, well, just keep doing it. Yeah. I saw somebody on the, on uh, on Twitter or on Reddit or something the other day arguing about whether like whether there's anybody on the roster or arguing that certain people on the roster could actually beat Brock Lesnar in a real fight now that he's at a certain age and whatever and and uh, yeah it's just all sort of laughable. Rousey really could just like destroy anybody she wanted to. Um, yeah, that that's what being a real championship fighter is all about. But uh, and it you know it's been. A fun ride so far uh, because her, you know, she's been booked to be sort of an unstoppable force, and now she's come run up against um, what the the pro wrestling equivalent of the immovable object, which is not mm. someone who can actually take her in a match. This is not a Holly Holm situation. This is 
the power of getting over. You know, this is, this is someone who's so popular that that she's actually unstoppable in her way. Now, maybe she won't win on any given night, but the arc is definitely bending towards Becky Lynch as, you know, divisional, uh, you know, longstanding dominant force and probably champion. Do you find this to be a little bit too predictable, though, this whole thing? Like, I mean, the f- we know too much about Rousey right now as far as like her future with the company. So uh-huh. I, I'm fully preparing myself for the swerve, bro, uh, at some point when it comes to Becky, because like I, I feel like we all kind of know too much right now about the behind the scenes of this feud. Yeah, there, there is a little bit of that. Now, listen, I, I don't know what the what the most recent, you know, reporting is on on Rousey's uh, career path and, and whether or not she's going to take some time off. Now, as soon when that was first reported, it was immediately refuted. Um, that it was more of a general thing. And certainly, like, just from a very common sense point of view, there's a difference between, like, I got to take six months off to get a knee, my knee cl- scoped or something, and, like, I'm neat, I want to start a family because that's not mm-hmm. that's not a quick out and come back sort of situation. So you can imagine, you know, that being a bigger decision and, and, and a, you know, more of a long-term, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't just kind of disappear for a minute to have a kid, obviously. Um so I mean, it, I, I don't think anything's. I mean, I I, don't, I think that it's if that was just kind of a vague idea, that makes some sense. And 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 if that's you know a concrete idea that's that's up for getting pushed back or or you know rescheduled just because of the amount of dedication it would take, then that wouldn't surprise me either. But you're right, we know a lot, and I've been saying for a long time that the reason why one of the main reasons why Charlotte Flair has been involved with this angle and will presumably be involved in the WrestleMania main event is because. If if word does leak out that Ronda Rousey's taking some time off after WrestleMania, if the fans know that going in or even have an idea of that, then it's really going to put a damper on the match. Not just because, uh, you know, it'll it, we won't be rooting for her, but be, or we wouldn't have been rooting for her, but because the outcome will feel predetermined and we need some well, element yeah, it, of unpredictability. Yeah, and it's it's not like we haven't seen this before, where the crowd goes into an event knowing that someone's leaving, and yeah. and what that does to the to the to the match. Exactly. Um, all of which goes to say I was incredibly shocked on Monday night when Ronda Rousey came out and turned heel, basically. I mean, just totally like, I mean, I, my, the other half of my argument was Charlotte had to be there to play heel because WWE didn't want, you know, Ronda to go heel and Becky was just too irresistible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ronda comes out and just keeps this Twitter feud tone going. Uh, it wasn't just a separate, just a little, it wasn't just a sidebar, I guess I'll say. She came out. <laughs> At Stephanie, just to set the stage, Stephanie is announcing that it's going to be Flair versus Lynch at Fastlane for the for the title that that Ronda Rousey abdicated last week. I mean, Rousey said she only wanted to fight Becky Lynch. She doesn't want any of this nonsense. She gives up the belt. She walks out. Stephanie says, "All right, so I'll make it Flair versus Lynch for the vacant title." Ronda comes storming in, and she's like, "No, I wanted to be a part of this, you idiot! Like, if Becky's a part of it, then like I want to be a part of it too." Which is all just sort of very sweet and and you know crazy making at the same time, um, and so she gets the title back, I guess, and then proceeds to just destroy Becky Lynch, puts her in an armbar like eighteen times. Charlotte Flair is standing there, almost intervening, but not quite. She's happy to see Becky get beat up, but you can tell she's a little bit uncomfortable with it. And by the end, she's just sort of terrified with what Ronda's newfound, you know, shooting means for the women's division overall. 
Mm-hmm. Stephanie pieced out of this confrontation real early, and she was backstage with you know in order to be uh, in time to be interviewed immediately uh, after it was over, um, which was notable for a couple reasons. One, it it was an incredibly awkward interview just because she was trying to hype up the WrestleMania main event, which is not set until after Fastlane, when if Becky wins, she will be inserted in the main event. So. She kept on saying, having to say, it's going to be a great WrestleMania main event, whether it's two people or three people and whatever. (laughs) Uh, Not awkward. Very strange. Um, And then one more thing before I get your take on this. I had this this, this sneaking feeling that this is going, you talked about like something, some swerve is going to happen. I have this sneaking feeling that Ronda Rousey and Stephanie are secretly aligned. That's that's the story that we're trying to tell. Why do you feel this way? Um, because in wrestling logic, it just seemed a little bit too convenient that uh, that Stephanie had Becky Lynch sign the hold harmless uh, uh, release at the. I mean, that was the point of the segment was that Becky had to sign away her rights to sue the company if she was going to wrestle at Fastlane, right? Because she would mm-hmm. she had been injured and whatever else. So Stephanie has her sign this thing, and the next thing you know, Ronda's there beating the shit out of her on television. Uh, and like really trying to hurt her, Ronda turned. Ronda is now a heel, and also Stephanie, you know, disappeared. Didn't get involved in that whole situation. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Ronda Rousey as corporate champion on WrestleMania, on WrestleMania Sunday. But you know, nothing would surprise me. I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, what what would be sort of the <laughs> the rationale behind that? Do you think? I mean, there's storyline the, story wise, storyline wise. I have no idea. I don't even know. I mean, I feel, I mean, my, my, I don't have a, like a logical storyline rationale so much as like, it seems like they're trying to reach back into the attitude era with everything they do here. And, mm-hmm. you know, the oh, rock so joining saying, up with the McMahons with the didn't make a lot of sense in the moment. Becky's the new stone cold and exactly. it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Doesn't yeah, make sense and, if and she's I just leaving, think, but you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and listen, I mean, and maybe it's just a move to get Becky more over on WrestleMania Sunday, you know, on, on that on, on the big stage. Um, when she wins against Flair and Rousey, both huge heels, um, it'll it'll feel like you know even an even greater accomplishment. Regardless, um, Becky somehow survived all those arm bars and will be fighting on Sunday against Charlotte Flair. Um, I don't know. What did you think about that segment overall? I mean, I, I got by the way. To, to sort, and this isn't really an answer to your question, but it does, it does bear mention that it seemed like Rousey was having a good time turning mm-hmm. heel, and that if yeah, she yeah. is indeed taking a break soon, she's sort of like getting to do the whole pro wrestling bucket list here, right? I mean, she gets the she gets to have that moment of just like turning heel in front of an angry crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've seen better segments. Uh, what, uh, with the principles involved, but there's a, a, a an analytic in hockey uh, called uh, relative to your teammates, um, and you could use that for puck possession and things of that nature. So I will apply it to this segment and say relative to the rest of Raw, <laughs> this was a uh, a shining moment for the WWE. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was it's sort of hard to wrap my mind around because it was so like the turn was so shocking and, and, uh, 
and not, I mean, you know, nothing's shocking in wrestling, but it wasn't what I was expecting at all. And I, and I just, uh, you know, it, it did seem a little bit helter skelter, but it'll be really but, cool to see where this goes. I assume that, I assume that Rousey, I mean, it would, it will be there on Sunday in some way, shape or fashion. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, uh, this is, it's, it's really, I mean, I, I just, I'm really, I've been really enjoying the ride. It has, it has seemed a little bit off like at times and a little bit un, uneven, but. I mean, this is this is this is interesting storytelling. Well, it's funny. Like, I was thinking a lot about Stone Cold with regard to Becky, obviously, um, since the whole the whole you know worm turned on her career, and it, it reminded me that like for for all of the times that we remember of the the Austin versus McMahon feud and and every clip that we go and revisit on YouTube, I mean, there were kind of just some weeks where nothing really happened, right? Like, so. Um, you know, there. I think there have been times in Becky's rise that I've been super into it and super impressed and, and dying to know what the next week looks like. And then there are other times where I'm like, this seems a little repetitive. Yeah. But this week, this week, I felt like they were there was a a forward momentum and trajectory to her uh, that made me really excited for the next month. Yeah, I mean, listen. I said it on the show last week that if we had had if we had the level of attention to like the weekend week out product, if we'd had Reddit when the when McMahon and Austin were feuding, people would have been pissed off every single week that he like found another vehicle to drive to the ring on, or that he found another like way to humiliate Vince without actually coming, you know, without it actually paying off. And then when they finally fought, it wasn't on a major pay per view, and you know what I mean. It was it, there. There's a lot of reasons you could have complained, but it, but it was awesome. I mean, it was just really great the way they told the story and. You do see that with the Becky Lynch storyline that she's, you know, she can't keep the volume t- turned up to ten week in and week out. You know, it's just right. not it, it's just not going to happen. And and you know that they've they've kind of gone in circles a little bit with the injury that she was like injured, but they didn't know she was injured. Then she got the clean bill of health. Then she actually got injured in storyline, and and you know, they keep kind of going in circles. But um, if they get to the right place on April seventh, then that's all that really matters. So I'm excited to see what what we get on Sunday. And uh, and how they lead us towards WrestleMania, um, we got to move on. There's so much other stuff going on. The other big note from Monday night um, was that Tori Wilson. I'm just kidding. We'll get to that later on. Uh, the other big <laughs> note from Monday night was that the Shield has reunited. All right. Um, in the words of uh, Roman Reigns, who is just one week removed from from returning um from uh being uh, from having his uh his cancer in remission uh he he pulled Seth Rollins into the ring to start the show and said I want to get the band back together one last time um then the rest of the show ended up being about the sort of drama of whether or not Dean Ambrose who turned heel the night that Roman Reigns uh, announced his his uh, cancer diagnosis months ago uh would agree to be a member of the group also Dean Ambrose, who is uh, is been widely reported, is not going to re-sign with WWE when his contract is up. So he's kind of been out there jobbing to mid-carters, trying to put people over. But now we're also using him to kind of get one last big match out of the Shield uh, mm-hmm. for whatever you know DVD box set is going to come uh, down the road. I don't know what's your what's your take on? I mean, obviously it's a little bit of a just something to to goose ratings for Fastlane. And a good way to kind of get Roman back in the mix, but is there? I mean, is there anything else here? What, what was your What was your take from this uh, from this burgeoning reunion? It, it, it both made a lot of sense and made no sense based on what they've been doing with Ambrose lately. But uh, you know, I, I think it's fine. I, I, I have. Uh, 
I've got nothing but uh, nostalgic uh, love for the shield. And uh, I think getting those three together is always a good time. And if it's in the short term, that's fine too. And, you know, I, I think the, the most interesting thing here is like, they know that they've got a little flicker of, uh, of good, good faith and fan support for Roman and they're like they've got the billows out next to the fireplace trying to figure out how to keep that flame going and stoke that flame as long as they can and obviously the uh no one's going to gripe over a shield reunion no of course not um the 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 interesting thing here is just the drama surrounding ambrose and his you know potential future employment which led to an article that i randomly stumbled upon on the google machine um Ooh. which cracked me up uh it's a just a hilarious piece by uh, on bleedingcool.com by somebody named Jude Terror, uh, who has written other funny stuff, I see. But um, And the headline is, Report Schrodinger's Dean Ambrose to both leave and stay in WWE at the same time. Uh, because there have been conflicting reports about whether or not he's definitely staying now or definitely not staying. You can, get, you can, you can take whatever you want to from Monday night, you know? I mean, he, he, he lost cleanly. Uh, early in the show and then he he joined in with like you know what is a major major storyline i guess you could if you want to read into it you can read it either way but but i think that the prevailing wisdom is that nothing has actually changed and and uh you know he's either gonna leave or he's you know gonna decide at the last minute to resign or you know probably something somewhere in between in the do years you, going forward um, do you think that we look too, do you think that we look too much into how people are booked as far as like what their future in the company looks like, or do you think that's a good harbinger of things to come? Well, I mean, I think that like him putting over, you know, Elias and EC3 and stuff is not nothing. Uh, and I think that it's, you know, that's, that's definitely indicative of something, but overall, yeah, we do look, I mean, too much in how people are booked because just like, you know, when we try to do these predictions of pro wrestling shows, we say, I mean, I say over and over again, I can tell you who's going to like go over in the long term, but the win and the loss on the day of doesn't really matter that much, right? I mean, you can win cleanly or you can lose by nefarious means and, and uh, you know, get your heat back after the match or, you know, whatever. there's a million ways anything can go and kind of get to the same endpoint. But I think that you can always read into something, but like, it, you I mean, just look at, I mean, looking at Dean Ambrose specifically, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world that he would be, that they, I mean, you can make the case that he wouldn't, they wouldn't put him with the shield. They wouldn't put him in the main event at Fastlane unless they had plan, unless they had some feeling that he would stick around. That's an argument we've heard about other wrestlers a million times. Mm-hmm. Or, but you can make that, you can just as easily argue that they're getting the, you know, they're, they're squeezing the last dollar out of him before he goes, you know? I mean, and it's, mm-hmm. he's, he's gotten a lot of screen time since they've announced that he was leaving, but you can read it whatever way you want. And that's, that's do part you, of the fun, I guess. Do you like the shield? Yeah, I mean, I listen. I like the Shield. I think it's really cool. It's weird to kind of look now with all the stops and starts of the sh- the never ending Shield reunion that it feels like we've been experiencing over the past several years. That like it's now actually been long enough since they debuted or since they broke up the first time to have a Shield reunion and have it meaningful. But it's it just feels like we've been talking about it for so long that it's just sort of lost its uh, lost its gusto. Anyway, I mean, Sunday will be fun. Um, you know, they found another. They found another trio of bad guys who've been hanging out long enough to, to raise their ire, and, and we'll see where this goes. If anything, it'll probably lead one way or another to whatever Roman's going to be doing at WrestleMania, which is sort of intriguing, too. I yeah. think more than, any, more than anything else on Sunday, I'll be watching to see uh, what level of physicality he gets involved in. It looks like he's all the way back, but I'm, I, I'm glad that they've brought him back the way they have with just some sort of dust-ups and whatever else. If, they had just, if he had just stayed away from action and then suddenly had a WrestleMania match, it would have been like terrifying to watch. So um, 
you know, I'm, I'm glad. Speaking of terrifying, or I don't know if that's exactly the right word, uh, word has just come out that that uh, Tommaso Ciampa is uh, is out. Uh, he's having neck surgery. Um, WWE.com reported it. Uh, he, he apparently had been trying to work through this neck injury and get through takeover before he had to go down, but apparently it was not uh, in the cards. He's having neck surgery. Ryan Satin just reported that WWE said that it's uh, an anterior cervical fusion surgery. Um, which doesn't sound great. People have have talked about spinal stenosis, which is what ended the careers of Edge and others. Um, but it is something that you could theoretically, I guess, uh, get fixed and work through. Um, I mean, and one, once you're healed up. And let's hope he can. I mean, Chamba's had a wild career uh, of stops and starts, and and his you know, and this his current storyline uh, with Johnny Gargano and NXT has had its share of uh, stops and starts due to injury too. Um, I hope they, I hope they, they are able to finish telling the story in a year or whatever. And I hope that he'll come back and have a, have a, you know, a healthy career for the, uh, for the remainder. Um, he's not going to be at, at, he's not, he, they're not going to be at fast lane on Sunday. It, it, it seems that it, 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 it stands to lot to reason that they were supposed to be in the, in the match that Ricochet and Aleister Black have been given for the raw tag mm. team titles. Um, uh, and certainly Gargano is now not going to be at NXT TakeOver here in New York. Um, what do you, what do you think about Ciampa? I mean, he's, he's, he's just turned himself into one of the absolute greats, hasn't he? Oh yeah. And that feud has, has been incredible. It's just an incredible series of matches. Um, I, I saw the idea floated and now I can't get it out of my head because my God, these are, it's one of my favorite short term gimmicks you could possibly do tournament time. Got to do a tournament, yeah. don't you? NXT, like that's the best. Tournaments are the best. I love tournaments, especially if they're self-contained on like a, a pay-per-view. Do a tournament. That's how you fix this problem. And with Ricochet and Black, and maybe Gargano, who who kind of knows? It's kind of unclear what's going on with him. But uh, at least two of those three guys kind of making it to the main roster. It is time for a little, you know, reset in NXT. And what better way to do that um, than with a title tournament? It'll be. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited about that possibility. If they do that, I mean, that's that'll just add another layer of awesome fun to WrestleMania weekend. If I assume that's where they would pay it off. Tori Wilson, I mentioned, is uh, it has been announced for the Hall of Fame, and I, the, uh, who really, I don't really care one way or the other, but. I feel like every year I have to, it's my obligation to make this argument when people are saying, what is she doing in the Hall of Fame? Also, when King Kong Bundy died, people were super mad that that some somebody was in the Hall of Fame, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. And it's just a, there were wrestlers tweeting, old wrestlers tweeting about this and people, mm. you know, this whole thing. And it's like, it's a fake Hall of Fame. <laughs> it doesn't, it's so arbitrary. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's, there's nothing interesting about this, about this line of argument. And listen, even if you want to really, if you want to get down to brass tacks, if everybody that deserved to be in the Hall of Fame got put in the Hall of Fame in year one, then we wouldn't be having these Hall of Fame inductions every year. You know, it would just be like mm-hmm. the one dude who had to retire due to injury last year would be getting in the Hall of Fame and it would be a lot less fun. Also, that first uh, Hall of Fame ceremony would still be going on right now because uh, they, it takes <laughs> about four and a half hours to induct a single person. Yeah, I mean, it's it just doesn't matter. Tori Wilson's in. Congratulations, Tori. She had a great quote to somewhere. I'm sorry, I totally lost the link to this, where she said, I think some of the people that are angry are the same people that are forgetting that this is an entertainment show. I was actually out there with Fit Finley going, 
okay, what's the most athletic match I can put together with a bikini on? Which is just the best quote I've ever heard about professional wrestling. So kudos to Tori Wilson. With that quote alone, you've earned you've earned the Hall of Fame slot, and that'll be fun. Now, are you trying to say that people are getting too upset about a Hall of Fame that contains both Drew Carey and Snoop Dogg? Are you, is that what you're trying to get at? <laughs> and our president? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think people are definitely getting too upset about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it would be nice if there was some easy way to defuse this argument. It's just, it's a fake Hall of Fame. I mean, come on. I mean, everybody, we can't put everybody in at the same time. We just can't. It's yeah, just like that's that, a, would, that a, would... That's a complete joke that China's going in with DX instead of as a solo performer. Yeah. Um, this will be an interesting Hall of Fame year for sure. We've we've talked about most of the important stuff, I think, that happened on Raw. Uh, Batista and Triple H seems to be sort of written in ink now. Over on SmackDown, a couple of interesting thing ha- things happened. One, Kevin Owens sort of solidified his babyface bona fides uh, after being introduced in a very heelish fashion. Yeah, that's, I don't like it. I, I, I think that Kevin Owens, as a heel, will be treated as a babyface. I don't think there's any reason to, like, try to babyface him up a little bit. I, I didn't like that segment too much this week. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. Kind of, kind of man of the people. Uh, yeah. Kevin Owens is, is... I mean, I understand that's what they're probably trying to do with the bowling segments and all that other stuff, but, you know, sometimes it's a little bit too on the nose, you know? Like, I would rather... He's... He, it, it's more fun when he's just, like, playing a cage fighter, you know, than, than him <laughs> just actually being a... Yeah, a lifelong wrestling nerd. I mean, that's that's uh, like yeah, we we, I, we know we, we know what he is. Like we, we yeah, understand exactly. that he's one of us. That's what makes him appealing. You don't have to kind of underscore it. He can go and do heelish things or or even you know whatever you want him to do for storyline. But essentially, you don't have to like add add a few exclamation points to what we already know about him. That's why we like him. Yeah, and the other big thing that happened on SmackDown, it was a good episode. Was uh, that. R-Truth, your United States champion, had another open <laughs> challenge. Um, last week, it was answered by Andrade and Rey Mysterio, and it was a triple threat. This week, without much discussion, it was those two, as well as uh, Samoa Joe. It was a, four, a fatal four-way for the U.S. title, and Samoa Joe came away the winner in sort of surprising fashion. Um, it was a really, really cool match. I encourage everybody mm-hmm. to watch if you haven't already watched it, but I don't know. This felt a little bit like... Just sort of, just sort of, the, sort of lining up your your pieces for to get all the important people onto the WrestleMania card. Is that what it felt like to you? Yep. And then, and then the big question that remains for a lot of us is, what does that mean for Joe at WrestleMania? It wouldn't surprise me if we just have a big schmoz, have all these guys involved, but like you know, Joe's the sort of has the legitimacy to go in carrying the belt. Mm. I think yeah, we're getting a Mysterio Andrade match in the pre-show at Fastlane, which is sort of crazy because those guys could be, be like co-headlining a major event you know i mean i'm not quite sure what the look is there except just to get people to watch the pre-show mm-hmm. but i think that we, I mean, we also saw the return of um mustafa ali who he's involved in the sort of main event feud helping out dan i mean helping out kevin owens against daniel bryan and uh and rowan but uh you know that that might be they, they, he has some history with joe too so that might be an interesting look if they're just kind of going for a one-on-one for that match mm-hmm. but i mentioned the pre-show to fast lane um, let's go ahead and run through this card in case there's anything here. I mean, make sure we get our get our formal picks in. Andrade versus Rey Mysterio. I don't even need, know where they are in terms of their feud, where the numbers are. If this is gonna, if this uh, is, if you know, if this is the rubber match or what. But who do you think is gonna win on Sunday? 
Put me down for Andrade over Ray. Andrade feels like the right choice, but it is, you know, there is that old baby faces win on the pre-show rule. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if that even holds true anymore, but I'm going to go with Mysterio just to be different. Next on the card is the, the Raw Tag Team Triple Threat, the Revival, your champions, the Revival versus... Chad Gable and Bobby Roode versus Aleister Black and Ricochet. Gable and Roode had a nice little angsty turn, semi-turn on Monday night. Um, Aleister Black and Ricochet, I mean, are sort of an unlikely combo, but they look like just fantastic together in the ring. The Revival have been doing good things with what they've been given. I don't know. What's what's your pick for that match? I'll go with Gable and Roode, which I, I, it may be an upset considering who's involved in the match. But like you said, they, they might have a little juice going for them right now. So why not extend this thing a little bit further? That's interesting. That is that is a wild card. I mean, that is the that is the unlikely pick. Um, I'm gonna go with black and ricochet. I think that I think that that of all the things that have of all the wildness that's been happening with these NXT call-ups and everything else on on in WWE television, they've really worked. They've really clicked. And I think that that's a good look for WWE to have those guys walking into WrestleMania with belts. Asuka versus Mandy Rose for the women's championship. Mm. I got to say that like my Kenny, Kenny Herzog, who writes for the ringer, um, was there at the house show on Monday night when Asuka seemed to get like concussed in the ring and he tweeted about it and people were like going nuts. It turned out, I guess she's okay. Um, mm. And she will be taking on Mandy Rose. Sure. Okay. Who, who do you think is going to win? Gee, I don't know. Uh, I think it'll probably be Asuka and a squash. Just because I don't, I don't know what else is there for Oscar. I'm, I think I'm going to pick Mandy Rose just so they can have the rematch at WrestleMania. But I, I oh, I'm, man. I'm very confused about this whole thing. Um, mm. That's my official pick. Um, and the women's tag team ranks the Boston Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha Banks. I just like to say the Boston Hug Connection as much as possible because it's so bad. Uh, versus Nia Jax and Tamina, um, who you know are bad in their own way. Um, what's your pick for that match? Boston Hug. Anytime you get a nickname going for a tag team, yeah, they're gonna yeah. Be I think the right. Boston Hug connection is uh, is is my stone cold lock for this pay per view. On the men's tag team side, the Usos, Jay and Jimmy versus the Miz and Shane McMahon. Um, we got to say, we got to point out that uh, this card is taking place in Cleveland, Ohio, which is the Miz's uh, hometown, and his dad will be there at ringside. Um, what's your pick for that match? Well, I was going to say the Usos, but now that changes, doesn't it? I mean, you know, the hometown win for the hometown boy. Um, the only thing that holds me back from really believing it is the Shane McMahon factor. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the Usos. I'll stick with my it pick. Se- I'm with you. It feels more like they're just the amount of time that's passed or whatever, that they're sort of, they're still angling towards a Miz versus Shane match for WrestleMania. It could go either way, but if that's where they're going, then maybe this is where they have their big falling out. And uh, the Usos keep the belts and get to do something else. We talked about it already earlier in the show. So I'm going with the Usos on that for the record. Uh, we talked about it earlier mm-hmm. in the show. Um, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. I guess this has got to be the Stone Cold Lock of the of the night. If Becky wins, then she's added back into the into the WrestleMania uh, Women's Raw Women's Championship match. Um, it would be again, like I said before, you can get to the end point a million different ways. She could lose and then work her way back in down the road, but this feels like she has to win, right? Yeah, I was going through this in my head trying to figure out if they were going to pull the the shocking uh, swerve uh, just to make it, you know, get people talking and to get people watching um, 
you know, the next night uh, with Charlotte winning and then Becky eventually getting in on some technicality. But I think they need I think they need Becky to be triumphant here and then give, you know, the stare down to her two future opponents as we, you know, roll credits. Like, I feel like that's kind of what they need right now for her. So while there's a part of me, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like 85, 15 right now that there's going to be 85 is Becky wins straight out 15 Charlotte wins. Becky's added to the match through some bullshit convention of some sort in the next coming weeks. But I think, I think it's got to be a Becky win here. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Um, And then uh, your tight, your, your WWE championship match or your earth championship match, um, depending (laughs) on who you listen to Daniel Bryan, Versus Kevin Owens, I find it hard to imagine Daniel Bryan's going to lose on the road to WrestleMania. But if they're going to, I mean, I guess there's always that possibility that that Kevin Owens will, you know, find a way to to continue this on into the WrestleMania match. And 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 obviously, you know, Kofi Kingston um, has reason to involve himself in this match. So you know, may, maybe there's there's a chance for some shenanigans. What's your pick? Uh, Bryan and a tainted victory that keeps the the feud alive. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And then, oh, one more match. We mentioned this one earlier, too. The Shield, Ambrose, Reigns, and Rons versus Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley, the new uh, uh, Legion of Doom um, in on the Raw side. What's your pick? Gee, I don't know. I think it might be the Shield with Reigns getting the pin. I think the real the real showdown here is between Baron Corbin and, and, uh, and Dean Ambrose as to who's going to eat the pin. <laughs> I guess any of the heels could do it and there's been and and Dave Meltzer is is pushing a theory that they might be going with Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania just based on the fact that they're going to be fighting at house shows going forward. Um so maybe they're going to build Corbin up. Maybe I'm just just assuming too much about um our boy in the black button down, but yeah, the Shield has to win. This is a huge moment for them and and you know, if this is really going into a WWE Network documentary or DVD box set, like I said before, I think them celebrating at the end is sort of, uh, you know, the, the is a is a great final scene to whatever the shield the 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 eventual shield story we're telling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be a fun card. It's going to be fun just because we finally get to start saying this is what's happening at WrestleMania. I mean, right now we have mm-hmm. basically two matches, you know, and and there's and and one of them is is a Legends match between Triple H and Batista that is not officially set for the set for the card. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out more about that next week, but I think we, I mean, it's the rest of it is, is still falling into place and um, it'll be good to get a little bit of firm footing. It's almost like we're in the fast lane headed towards WrestleMania, Dave. Yes, it is almost like that. That is correct. Well, listen, I got to run. I got to cut this thing short. I really appreciate you coming on, Greg. Um, do you have any hot takes on the pro wrestling world that you want to get off your chest before, before I let you go? I already said China should be in as an individual first before going in with a group. Um, and also, I think it's it's really uh, unconscionable that even though he's already in the Hall of Fame, that we forget that Rick Rude was also a member of DX and has been left out of all of these these things leading into the Hall of Fame. But I guess this goes against what you were talking about before, which is don't give a shit about the Hall of Fame because it's fake. I do think the Rick Rude omission was a little bit weird. I mean, he, was, he wasn't like an actor. He didn't wrestle, but he was a sort of integral member of the first iteration um, of DX, so yeah, that that, that, that part was a little bit weird to me, but I, but at the same time, I I found it hard to get too excited about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I found it hard to be too excited about it as well. We didn't touch on 
Colin Jost and Michael Shea at all being involved in these shenanigans. I mentioned it earlier. Sheesh. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it was a little bit sad uh, to watch Colin Jost getting, uh, you know, choked against a wall by Braun Strowman when, like, when uh, at, at the same time that gossip rags were running were running stories that his girlfriend uh, was having dinner with Chris Evans in a Soho restaurant, which, you know, guys, this is the lesson you need to know in life is never go to Philadelphia uh, and, and leave your girlfriend with Chris Evans in New York City. Um, no, no, sir. But it, but yeah, I mean, listen, uh, those, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I don't know how much like the weekend update crew is going to like, you know, help with attention for WrestleMania or for WWE in general, but, um, you know, good for him for taking that crazy choke and for, you know, them dedicating some time to putting over a pro wrestling event. I mean, that's, that's kind of cool. But what about the, the, the chatter? that they may both be involved in WrestleMania in some capacity as like roving reporters or some such. Yeah, I think that's great. I think yeah. having them involved, I think having them involved at WrestleMania will be, will be, you know, good for what it is. I just don't, you know, as long as they're not I, out there, like as long as it's not Michael, I mean, Jost and Shay versus like, you know, the revival, then um, I'll be fine with it. Mm-hmm. I have to say that, you know, rare, rare. I am both a wrestling fan and a hockey fan and I, I rarely want to pit, my two favorite things against each other. That being said, Pete Davidson making out with Kate Beckinsale at a Rangers game, (laughs) greater than sign Che and Jost showing up on raw by far. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get attention. WWE needs to really learn from this. You know, they should have their people out there making out at Rangers games too. Rangers games are the best for, uh, for celebrity sightings. We had a long talk about that at the ringer office. Oh yeah. Um, because it's like the the Knicks games, people, the the fans can all just like they're very aware. I mean, the the celebrities are very aware that there's like a row of camera, you know, paparazzi photographers, just photographers in front of them and camera people in front of them. And for some reason, they get to these hockey games and they just forget that anybody's paying attention at all. And and uh, hilarity often ensues. I was actually talking about this with Linda Cohn, my ESPN colleague, this week. The the notion of you know sometimes when you go to Rangers games, you can get there and it's Pete Davidson and Kate Beckinsale making out. And there's Rami Malek is there too, an Oscar winner. He's at the same game. And you feel like, wow, I've been in the cradle of celebrity here in New York City. And yet when I go to Rangers games, the most famous person they show on the Jumbotron is either Anne Burrell, a uh, Food Network star, and <laughs> maybe maybe uh, uh, Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos would be the other person <laughs> that gets on the big screen. Well, just keep trying, man. You'll you'll see something awesome <laughs> yeah. happen eventually. Well, I'm I mean, sure, I'm sure. in in full disclosure, as a Devils fan, I mean, everybody is a step up from Joe Piscopo being at the game. <laughs> but uh, you know, you still like to you'd, you'd rather be at the Pete Davidson making out with Kate Beckinsale game than at the uh, Bobby Bacala. You got to say you were there live. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's more fun to say you were at WrestleMania live, or hey, even Fastlane live. Uh, it's 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 more fun to be there for those shows. You're absolutely right. Listen, man, thank you so much. Uh, plug your stuff before we get out of here. Yeah, uh, all my writings at ESPN.com on the NHL page. And uh, you could follow me on Twitter, W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. And my two podcasts are ESPN on Ice with Emily Kaplan, which is more of a straightforward hockey one. And then Puck Soup with myself, Ryan Lambert, and Sean McIndow, who uh, uh, you know do a lot of hockey stuff, but also do a lot of uh, goofy pop culture stuff. In fact, on Puck Soup this week, uh, we are going to be doing a wrestling-centric countdown list that I think you'll all very much enjoy. 
Uh, Ooh, so, I can't uh, wait. Uh, do, do check that out. Uh, in, in honor of Batista returning to uh, WWE. Fantastic. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, man. And uh, thanks to my heel producer, Jim, for sitting there in silence for the last hour. And thank you all you guys for listening. Apologies, as always, to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Bye. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 